Welcome to another episode of The Marrow Show, presented by Marrow Ministries, hosted by Luke Walker, Nate Kennecott, and Alexander Wade. All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Marrow Show by Marrow Ministries. Uh, today's topic, we're going to talk about being winsome and what role that that plays in our ministry and evangelism. Uh, but before we get into today's topic, we are so excited to introduce to you uh, the first book to come from Marrow Ministries. Uh, and the author is Nick Nicholas Alford, uh, called Further Up and Further In, Experiencing the Inexhaustible Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, we highly recommend this to you. Go to MerrillMinistries.org. Go to Amazon. Make your purchases. Leave your reviews, all right? Um, uh, uh, man, you, you got to get this book, all right? Now, Luke, you worked closely with Nicholas Alford to get this thing published. Uh, what's something you can tell the people really quickly as they consider adding this book to their libraries? Yeah. If you're a Christian, it's impossible to read this book and not be encouraged, period look at look at that it's sure. such a gospel focused it's a marrow effort uh it, it's right in line with the marrow of modern divinity and um, the whole christ by sinclair ferguson and the freeness of the gospel that we seek to preach in our pulpits and on this podcast phenomenal really encouraging fun to read funny but really sharp too mm -hmm. so check it out beautiful beautiful volume as well yeah and uh, man, uh, already the book hadn't even been out that long and tears have been shed. Tears have touched the pages of this book. All right. So, man, you got to get this. Yo, this this uh, this album cover, man, is is fire, too. Yo, who did this? The album cover? Did I say album um, cover? The book cover. You know what I'm saying? The book cover. So this was my lovely wife, Angel Walker, uh, artist extraordinaire. Yeah, she didn't want a name on it because she doesn't want no one hitting her up for book book, book covers. It's exclusive. So. Bro, she's she's mad good. You don't even you know what I'm saying. It's beautiful, like, bro. The, really it's nice. Like, it's like yep. velvety and stuff. You know what I'm saying. So you gotta you gotta it's get a nice this, book. You gotta get this mm -hmm. thing, man. All right, so uh, let's 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 get into our topic of discussion for today: uh, being winsome. Uh, man, I've seen plenty of conversations about winsomeness uh, online. And uh, uh, there are varying opinions uh, about how winsome we should be. All right. Uh, so <laughs> let's let's get into that. Uh, uh, Luke, man, kick us off, man. When we're thinking about being winsome uh, as uh, as Christians, uh, what things should we uh, be considering uh, uh, in our ministries, uh, in our preaching, in our evangelism, in, in, in our evangelism? Um, first, what does it mean to be winsome? And then why is it important? Mm. Yeah, great question, Wade. Um, to be winsome is to um, really to carry yourself and speak in such a way that it's attractive to people, that it makes um, the ideas that you're speaking about or whatever your message is, it, it showcases it in the very most favorable light. And it's really um, just sort of a vibe that you know, if, if, if you've heard someone speak, that's they're easy to listen to and you kind of lean in on what they're saying and they just have that way with words and um so that's what winsomeness is um as a biblical or christian trait it's an important one it's marked some of the greatest preachers in church history 
Um, the first guy that's coming to my mind is John Chrysostom, uh, and he lived back when when Christians still got cool nicknames, and because Chrysostom means the golden mouth or the golden tongue, so John Chrysostom preached in such a way where he dropped them nuggets, and um, and he wasn't soft, and he went hard on the wicked. However, uh, there was an attractiveness to how he spoke. Charles Spurgeon, you're thinking of him as well, mm-hmm. and many modern preachers today have are such gifted orators. And so we want our Christianity to exhibit this this winsomeness and and, and attractiveness to the message. Um, so many people have an idea about Christianity as just being legalistic, um, looking down and judging everybody, and it's about thinking you're better than people. But really, Christianity is about the treasure of Christ and the treasure of the gospel. And winsomeness is a way of um, celebrating Christ. And, and doing that even as we make him known. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, one of the words that you used a couple times in there is attractive. Uh, and so, uh, Nick, I'm going to pass it over to you. How should we think about the idea of uh, presenting Christ, presenting the gospel in a way that is attractive? Some might say, man, the gospel is not an attractive thing to those who are perishing. Uh, it's a foolish thing, right? So, so what are we talking about uh, with a- attractiveness? Because um, uh, again, some might say, are, are we talking about uh, uh, catering to people who hate God, who hate his word? How do, how, how do we make uh, uh, something attractive uh, that is foolish to people who uh, who don't have the Spirit of God? How should we think about the attractiveness of how we present Jesus, Nick? Well, I uh, I was really busy reading further up and further in when you asked that question for the third time, mm. because this book is, is very winsome. Uh, it is. And I'm so thankful that Merrill Ministries was able to publish this this tome by Nicholas Alford. It's mm. beautiful, but it is winsome and attractive physically and spiritually mm-hmm. but uh i that is that is an important thing it is an important question i wrote an article years ago uh i i was kind of getting tired of people saying that the gospel is offensive or it's an mm-hmm. offensive message the gospel itself is not offensive there's nothing offensive about the gospel people take offense to the gospel and i think that's an important distinction to make um uh, that when properly presented when properly proclaimed the gospel is the most beautiful most attractive message in the world and certainly as christians we would say it's the most important message in all the world Um, but there is a way to to proclaim the gospel that can uh that can be uh done in such a way that it's not attractive at all and uh, I think that some Christians have in their mind that uh, because people take offense to the gospel, that means I need to be a jerk when I, uh, when I say what's true. And they sort of have this mentality of I'm just, I'm just saying it how it is or I'm just uh, saying what's true. And if you don't like it, you can take it or leave it. And it's sort of this mm-hmm. attitude or this bravado behind it uh, that is it's not only not helpful but it it turns people off and it's completely unattractive not just to non-believers but to christians as well Um, the way in which we speak is important and speaking the truth is only part of 
what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us to preach the truth or to speak the truth in mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. And uh, he himself did that. And you see his interactions with all kinds of different people in all kinds of different situations. And depending who they were and what their circumstances were, he responded to them differently. We see the same thing with the Apostle Paul. And so it's important to recognize that the way in which we talk to people is going to differ depending on their situation, their circumstances. And so the way in which we, uh, we point them to the truth of the Bible and more specifically the truth of the gospel message itself is, uh, is going to be different. And so um, it, it goes right in line with uh, what Paul was advocating and maybe we'll look at the text a little later in 1 Corinthians where he is talking about being all things to all mm. men. Um, that doesn't mean he is just sort of laying down and, and compromising in any way, shape, or form. But uh, the way in which he preaches, the way in which he has conversations, the way in which he even writes, you can see it in his letters to the churches. It's different depending on the circumstances. And so we need to be adaptive, uh, not changing the truth of the message in any way, shape, or form but recognizing that different people need to hear the gospel in different ways. Um, and, uh, and along with that comes a certain attractiveness as we draw people into the beauty of the most important message in the world. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, I, I appreciate you drawing the distinction between um, uh, the gospel being offensive and people taking offense uh, to the gospel, uh, something I need to be reminded of. Um, and so, what are what are some of the the ways that people so i think this this might be a maturity uh issue for some uh because uh sometimes uh i people can um be the offense themselves and blame it on the gospel <laughs> right uh, when Absolutely. it was, in fact, yes. you, right? Uh, and so, <laughs> and so um, for somebody who still is uh, growing and maturing in their faith, we, we you know, it, it, it can be funny, but it also can be, you know, pretty sad to watch sometimes. Um, how could somebody, what are some, some, some things that people can watch out for uh, uh, to better assess themselves to say, hey, um, as I am engaging uh, uh, the people around me, uh, with the gospel, uh, 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 if, how do I know the difference between somebody happened to take offense to the truths of scripture, uh, versus I was the one who caused the offense, uh, by, uh, my, uh, uh by my word choice, by my tone, by my, yeah. even, even a, a good word out of season, right? Um, so many different things that could contribute to, uh, someone uh, being offended. What are some of the things that we can watch out for as we uh, try to encourage people who are maturing in their faith? I'll, I'll kick it back to you, Luke. Yeah, good, good question. Um, that really, really comes down to the mindset that we carry. You know, you can't, the, the whole vibe of what you're saying or who somebody is always comes out. And, you know, you can't escape that, the ethos of a situation. And so, it, what you have there, in my opinion, is just a different, totally different mindset when it comes to approaching the gospel or making Christ known or engaging with unbelievers or engaging with other Christians that may be an error or are perceived to be an error. 
And it's uh, sort of an occupational hazard of doctrinal Christianity that it attracts young men that love to fight <laughs> and argue. <laughs> they love it. And unfortunately, you know, doctrine, you, you we're called to be razor sharp in our understanding of scripture, our handling of the word and understanding doctrine and being well read as Christians and being able to stand up for truth. And and those things are all good in their proper place. That is part of the Christian life, big part of it. Um, however, that in itself, isolated, can can have the attractive force for someone who just wants to get in an argument and have God's blessing <laughs> blessing on it. <laughs> And we all have some of that in us, but uh, I think that's one thing that happens as young men. Do. So, so for instance, just to riff off that a little bit, if there's a young man that comes into our church and you know, I don't know him, but he's just talking a lot of doctrine, um, I'm often usually going to take that as an indication that he's putting all of his effort into that and his personal life of holiness probably isn't matching that, probably even close. Mm. Um, and you can just tell, tell the types. And, um, so with, with someone like that, I think the best posture we can take is to just continue to, you know, not mirror that, but encourage them and exhibit the proper mindset of gospel preachers and gospel ministers, which is the good news. It's the, it's the good, joyful, glad tidings of great joy, you know? And, uh, we need to always reflect that as ministers and as Christians, especially when we're dealing with someone who just loves to argue, loves to argue doctrinal points and that sort of thing. And so um, that's a good place to start, you know, in the out of the heart, the, the mouth speaks and not just the mouth, but our tone of voice, mannerisms, the whole vibe, you can't be able to hide that. So if we're treasuring Christ and we're believing that God is making him known to others, even through me and maybe correcting those who don't understand rightly, we're going to have more of a joyful kind of cool confidence to it mm -hmm. that should help 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 guard us from that that's good Man, uh nick uh chime in on that continue continued thoughts on that just uh, talking to the maturing person how do how do they uh, just just guard themselves to make sure that man it's one thing if somebody happens to be offended or happens to take offense from uh the truths of scripture uh versus uh, them just not knowing that um it's actually uh, them and their presentation uh, that that's causing the offense. Uh, what what would you say or what would you add to that? All of us know people who, when we interact with them, it's immediately obvious to us that they are living in a very close felt communion with God, mm. and they have a constant enjoyment of God. And they delight in the Lord. And these are people that when we interact with them, we sense that they, um, uh, that they have a genuine love for other people, and especially for the church, but most especially for Christ. And they are slow in their reactions. Uh, they're not um, immediately when they hear something that may not be entirely true or it's a little bit off or that they disagree with, they're not immediately jumping up and, and calling the person a heretic. Um, but they are slowly, gently, and carefully helping to guide people along the way without sort of just pushing them out the door and saying, go figure it out and come back to me once you, once you have. Mm. Um, 
And so often that tends to be the case. Um, I, I see it so often, um, as Luke mentioned, and, and this is particularly true with young men, but it happens across the board. I see it with pastors sometimes too. Uh, they, they may have just come to an understanding of something yesterday, um, but today I have it figured out. And if you're not where I am today, then you're, you know, you, you might not be a Christian. You might be a <laughs> You're at least an um, idiot. <laughs> yeah, at, at the very least, you're an idiot, and I'm going to let you know about that. Um, you know, Jesus, uh, there were times when he really attacked people, but those were specific people, and uh, those were religious leaders who were hypocrites. They were false teachers that were truly false teachers. Um, and I like to remind young men that Yes, Jesus uh, turned over tables in the temple, but it was, uh, it was one time uh, in the scriptures that we read about that. That wasn't the, uh, the entirety of his ministry, um, there and there was a very specific circumstance in which that happened. If you look at the Apostle Paul, he responds to the churches differently. Um, if you, you look at the book of Galatians, for example, um, Probably, in terms of dealing with doctrinal error, uh, the most serious among the doctrinal errors that Paul addresses in the churches. And yet, even through that, even as direct as he is with the Galatians, he still expresses um, a love for them. He expresses tenderness in, um, in calling them brethren and never uh, implying that they're not Christians because mm -hmm. they're starting to be influenced by the Judaizers. Um, and so he's not just putting them outside the faith because they, uh, because they have sort of listened to some false teachers and have started to take the wrong direction. And, and I think that's really important for us to remember that um, all of us, have uh, the propensity to go astray from time to time. We, we have it within us to listen to the wrong person or be influenced by the wrong ideas. And in so doing, uh, we sometimes need to be corrected and we need to be challenged. But if a person's way of coming to us to correct us or challenge us is to tell us we're stupid, we're idiots, we don't know what we're talking about, there's no chance of us wanting to listen. And, and in fact, it really, oftentimes will have the opposite effect because our natural tendency is to dig in our heels mm. and to try and justify it now because I don't want you to be right because you are being you know, so cruel about the way you're going about this. Mm. And so we, we should keep that in mind as we go about our interactions with others that my goal is not to, and, and this is really, I think, where the, the line of division is, is am I just trying to prove that I'm right, or am I actually trying to, as the word winsome implies, am I trying to win them over mm. to what I understand to be right and mm -hmm. true? And so often, these kinds of debates and discussions turn into each side of it just trying to prove that they're right, as opposed to trying to win someone over. Um, now, you know, the it can be that you're trying to be so winsome that you never take any kind of stand and, and that the truth just sort of disappears. But, you know, at, at least in terms of our, uh, our interactions as Reformed Christians, that's rarely going to be the case. It's more so the dig in your heels and fight for your team and, and, uh, and 
try to get the win in the end. And in the end, who did you win for other than yourself uh, and your tribe? And that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Mm. I think um, it's helpful to just remember, man, um, the, the things that we know and believe, especially as reformed believers, um, should, I think they should cause us to be more humble and, uh, less, uh, I don't know, arrogant, if you will, for lack of better words, you know, like as people who can, uh, proclaim, uh, full chested (laughs) that it's all God, right? (laughs) Like he's sovereign. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't choose him. He chose me. I was dead in my sin. Dead people can't do anything. Right. And then somehow at the very same time, um, uh, talk to people, uh, like if they don't believe certain things, uh, it's because they're stupid. Um, and, uh, uh, it's just, we should, you know, it's good for us to keep that in mind, to remember, man, like, like we don't know the things we know or believe the things that we believe because we have an intellectual advantage over the next man. Um, we, we right. believe what we believe we've repented and believed and, and put our trust in Jesus, uh, because the spirit of God, um, did a work in our hearts and minds. That's completely unrelated to our intellect. <laughs> right. Um, mm-hmm. like we didn't earn it. We didn't, yep. we didn't, we didn't, uh, 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 make some, uh, unique ascent that, that other people can't make or other people refuse me. Like, man, God really did this to us. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, um, I think that is something that we can try to keep in mind as well to help us to be more winsome, uh, to help us to be more patient, to help us to be more gentle is to remind ourselves of the sovereignty and of the election of God. Uh, and, and, and yeah, hopefully that, that makes us more, more winsome individuals. Um, yeah, wait, uh, just real quick, several, several years ago along those lines, I, I was listening to an interview with Sinclair Ferguson and someone was asking him, what are your thoughts about the, you remember when it was a big discussion, the young, restless and reformed movement. And so you have a lot of young guys coming to understand Calvinism and Calvinistic soteriology, but they, you know, they still haven't fully embraced confessionalism or reformed ecclesiology, reformed worship. There were still questions about those things. And so there was a lot of criticism going around. They asked Sinclair Ferguson, what do you, what do you think about the Young, Restless, and Reform movement? And he said, I think it's great. I'm very <laughs> thankful that guys are coming to understand the yeah. doctrines of grace. And then he said, you know, I hear a lot of criticism of these guys, and, uh, and it's coming from men who claim to believe in the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? Did you wake up one day and you just understood everything and you had all your theology perfect and everything was mm-hmm. in line? Did you wake up and know the confession one day that you didn't know the day before and it didn't take you time to learn it and apply it and work through it? It's like, be patient. Why are we Why are we jumping all over these guys? Let's be thankful for the things they have learned, are learning, the ways they're growing, and we'll see where it goes. But let's pray for them and encourage them, not discourage them and push them aside and say, you're not a part of us because you don't have everything in line on day one. And, uh, you know, if it's exactly what you're saying, brother, that if we believe in God's sovereignty, 
then we can believe and should believe that in time uh, that the sweetness of the truth of the Bible is going to be exactly what begins to win people over more and more to what we believe to be true. And if it's not true, uh, then we trust that the Lord is, is going to keep people from embracing that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we can trust Him and we can trust the Holy Spirit to apply the Scriptures to the hearts of men. Um, and we don't have to take over that role. We don't have to be the Holy Spirit in people's lives. Mm -hmm. You know, that, uh, that makes me think of another thing related to this that's so important. You know, when the vibes are off, we're misrepresenting God. And that's not mm -hmm. the way God saves us, by arguing us down. He could yeah. easily just crush us, you know, and prove everything wrong, and we would have to admit that's not how he wins us at all. <laughs> he wins right. us with truth, absolutely with truth, but with love and to himself. And he doesn't hold that over us. And so it's such a miscarriage of the good news of Christ because it misrepresents him. It misrepresents him. So it's incumbent upon us to reflect not just the truth of Christ, but his character and as well as we can, you know. So you're given. You, 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 we're totally miscommunicating to people about what God is like the, and the way He's approaching sinners. That's the thing. Satan loves sinners to believe that about God, that He's already discounted them. He's so against them that He just wants to prove them wrong and crush them in judgment. Mm. It's actually mm -hmm. not true. Yeah. God right. wishes to win sinners. Yeah, man. Um, uh, yeah, I think a, a couple things come to mind. Um, about just God's ability to communicate to very small-minded people. And by that, I mean like every person who's ever lived. Um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, I think we, we forget, um, uh, we, we think we, we can fall into the deception uh, that, man, maybe our brains are just bigger or faster or sharper than than others and sometimes uh that can even frustrate us that other people just aren't getting it the way we think they should get it mm -hmm. and forget that an infinite being um has found a way uh to reveal himself in a way that is so plain that no one has an excuse to deny his existence um uh, mm -hmm. And so, man, that should be an a great encouragement to us in our ministries and discipling uh, because it's about the spirit of God's uh, uh, masterful ability to communicate and to reveal over against any one person's intellectual capabilities. And, um, mm -hmm. and so, man, it's, it, it should give us encouragement. It should make it, it should be humbling. Um, it helps us to to realize, man, the gospel really is beautiful and simple. Anybody can get it. Um, Helen Keller was a Christian. All right. Come on now. <laughs> like, bro, she couldn't see or hear. And yet the spirit of God still had the ability to communicate a simple gospel message uh, to her. Um, now, here's the deal. We want to keep this conversation going about winsomeness. We, I think we're going to go further up and further mm. into this conversation, mm. uh, in part two of this, of this conversation. So, um, uh, so that's what we're going to do. Ain't further up and further in. Isn't that a quote from like CS Lewis or something like that? 
Indeed. From one of his Narnia, Narnia books, I the think. The Last Battle, number seven. Uh, so we want to keep this conversation going. So, uh, man, go ahead, share this episode, like it, subscribe to our, our channels anywhere you can. Make sure you go to MerrillMinistries.org. Don't forget to go to Amazon, purchase Further Up and Further In by Nicholas Alford and leave a review. Tell us what you think about this book and tell others about the book as well. All right. So, uh, but we're going to keep this conversation. We're going to pick up this conversation, finish this up in, in another episode. Uh, but, to, but we talked about winsomeness. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode and we'll wrap up this conversation until then. Grace and peace.